Welcome back to another episode of What Do I Know with me, Joanne Pei. As I continue to dig and ask questions to find answers that I don't know. Well, today, my team at Zodapop by Zero Media, they're very, very excited. And so am I because we've got some bling in the house. My guest today is a reality TV star from Netflix reality TV series, Bling Empire, which features the lives of real rich Asians living in LA. I know, I know. Well, hold that thought, okay, because I have my thoughts to share as well. Let me finish my introduction. You'll see my guest in season one navigating her tumultuous relationship with her boyfriend. And in season two, well, there's, is it on? Is it off? Well, there's a cliffhanger going on. It's already up on Netflix, so you can catch that. You know, I wonder what's it like being on reality TV because I don't do that. And, you know, having your private life on display is... Sounds really uncomfortable for me. So how much of that is real? I have Kelly Millie in the studio today to answer those questions. So let's dive in. Hi, Kelly. Hi, Joanne. How are you? Yeah, I'm good. I'm really excited and a little nervous to be talking to you because I've never met like a reality TV star before. I've never done reality TV and the idea of it actually scares me because, you know, having cameras follow you around all the time and like, like, what is that like? I feel like you're kind of used to cameras by now, right? You're such a respected actress and you kind of grew up in, you know, having cameras around. But it's like scripted and I'm playing a character. Like I'm not okay. myself, right? Okay. And then with you, I, I, I tell the team this as well because I, I, watch, I watch your show mm -hmm. and I feel so invested in, in the characters. <laughs> I mean, not just you, but like I feel like I know everyone. Right. I feel like I know everybody's lives, even though we know it's just a, a snippet of it that we are seeing, right? But then because it's like, who you really are in that sense you're not playing a character or so we think <laughs> you know that, that that it's like like i feel like i know you already i think that's a beautiful thing about reality television you mm. know because you guys you could be able to see like kind of private lives and open the doors that you're in a to a world that other people might not be able to see doesn't that make you uncomfortable? Like, like everything is on display for people, and especially with you, you especially your storyline is all yeah. about like, relationships and all that. Yeah. I mean, to me, especially that's something very private. Like me and my husband, we are both in the industry, mm -hmm. and we try our best to be as private as possible because that's a part that we want to protect. Mm -hmm. And I think it's just so hard to put that part of your life out for everyone to like judge and comment and and, and talk about. Yes, and I think also with the Asian culture is very much let's not let's not kind of tell our problems to other people and be very private, but also at the same time, I think you know with Bling Empire is such a unique opportunity because it puts Asian in the in the media in the mass media and mm. give more representation and you'd be surprised how many people reached out to me afterwards um through DMs and how my story related to them and has now, especially with uh, my, you know, season two and hopefully more seasons, how much it's inspired them. You know, mm. if I can only inspire one person, that's enough. Mm. And same thing with, um, you know, Christine's storyline about infertility and mm. having a hard time with pregnancy, as well as Kim's storyline, finding real parents, that's inspired other people to look and find their pa their parents, mm. you know, because they don't want to miss out a chance, mm. you know, because if somebody, because Kim's dad unfortunately passed away, you mm. know, and she never got the chance to meet him. Mm. Um, so I think be, by sharing our real stories and our life, it it helps 
open that up to other people mm. and i think if it just inspires and help people i think it's great and also another thing that's very personal to me is because growing up in the u.s um you know i, I was born in china i moved to the u.s at a young age I didn't really have role models to look up to. So mm. when I was growing up, you know, and then back then it wasn't like how is it now? There's no internet. Mm. So when I was looking at magazines, uh, when I was looking, you know, uh, going to the theaters for movies and TV shows, um, I didn't see anybody looking like me. Mm. And now I think of a chance to give the gener- the younger generation that lives in America as well as other places to have, you know, familiar faces they look up to and the role models and feel like they, they really belong. Mm. I mean, I, I admire that about what you want to sort of um, advocate. But I have to be very honest about mm-hmm. what I thought about Bling Empire okay. when it first came out. I was like, what? Like a show about rich Asians? Like again, and someone's from Singapore and like, you know, is like rich and living in LA. And I'm like, but that doesn't really reflect Singapore, mm. like Singaporeans, like because a lot of us are you know, not rich and um, living that kind of life. So then I was quite skeptical, you know, about Bling and High and and I didn't didn't know what sort of values it was going to be able to Mm. impart to the Mm. audience. And I I didn't watch it. And obviously I watched it because of you and I was going to talk to you. So I I binge watched it and I I actually fell in love with all the characters. You know, we we know that there's some cat fights going on Mm. and there's a little bit of that, that drama there. But... I could see where everyone was coming from, mm. you know, um, and there were some moments in there that I, that were very relatable, even though, I mean, it's a completely different life from what I lead, but I could relate to it. Like there was this, there was this part where um, like Kim was in Anna's house and then yeah. she found the penis pump and then, <laughs> and then, and then, and then she refused to apologize for it. Right. right. And then everyone was like, you know, you should, you this and that. And, and she just didn't see anything wrong with it. And so that really stood out for me because it was a very obvious like perspective difference. Mm. So that was that was that was quite real for me. And then the other part was when Kevin it was really cute, like he he returned the the, the, the gift. gifts yeah. that, that Anna bought him and because he wasn't sure like what what what, what does it mean? Like yeah. are you testing me? Is this a test of friendship and all that? Yeah. And it was it was also something that was very real because I felt like if I were in his shoes, I'll probably do that too, because mm-hmm. you just don't know the roles, especially you know, in, in the world of the rich and, and famous, you know, th- th- there are rules that we are not familiar with. So uh, were there any moments, I mean, they don't have to be yours, mm-hmm. you know, personally, but were there any moments in the in the seasons that you really like and appreciate? I think season one, what the one of the scenes that I really was touched was when Cherie gave birth. You know, and the funny thing is people are like, how is reality TV made? Is that fake? I'm like, you can't, how can you fake a, a birth? You yeah. know, but I thought that was such a beautiful moment, you know, giving, she gave birth on camera mm. and, um, you know, bring life to this world. And that's such a precious moment. But I was like. How come she looks so good? Like giving birth. Like I, mean, I wish I looked looked out good in the future. I was, <laughs> like, I was like, is that real? Right? Because it's mm-hmm. it's quite different from my own experience. So uh, that 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 is my sort of opinion about Bling Empire. Mm-hmm. But I do know that it's your idea, right? You started having this idea, and you you took it to the producer Jeff Jenkins, and and it happened. So you know, we all have ideas too, right? And then sometimes when it's in actions, it's not quite what we expect. Mm-hmm. Was, was there anything like that for you with Bling Empire? I think, you know, one of the things I think to address earlier on with, um, you know, with, I guess, like Bling Empire, yet another 
rich show, yes. right? I think we're very at the very, very beginning mm-hmm. of um, having Asian content in mass media. We're at the very, very beginning. And obviously, it's, it's Bling Empire, the success of Bling Empire, we really have to think crazy Asians, right? Mm-hmm. It is a door, in a sense, to open up that world to other people that I think people in the mass are more interested in right now because of the movie. But we use that to showcase Asian culture, mm. showcase real life problems. Um, and I'm hoping we have more seasons mm. because the, the more seasons we have, the more we can keep expanding on different storylines and you can see the different dynamic of different characters. And mm. it, becomes in a, it becomes in a way that it's not going to be about money anymore. Mm. You know, um, I think with especially my storyline, none of my storyline was ever about money. Right? Mm. Um, so I, I think, you know, that's just at least the beginning of it. Um, and for as far as how the show started, you know, yes, it's it's always take hard work. You know how how especially in the entertainment industry, a mm. movie, how long it takes, a TV show. So putting it together was difficult because a lot of time when you're really wealthy or you're from you know family money, um, the Asian culture tend to be very you know kind of close, private, doors, very very yeah. private. So getting these group of friends to um, trust the process and believing in me was definitely a challenge. Um, and obviously with Netflix, Netflix gave us a huge chance um, because buyers don't like to buy things that are very unfamiliar. It doesn't have a proven track record because at the end of the day, Hollywood is still a business. Mm. So having Netflix as a partner and giving us that chance was very, very important. Mm. You know, but all the, you know, I it just, it t- ideas always the start. And then it's, I, I say ideas 10% and 90% of it is really hard work and like, then persistency. How, how, how did you convince them since you said like you probably didn't have any track record to show? Yeah, not for, not for reality but for scripted yes you know Mm. um and obviously partnering up with great people um and yeah just being able to for them to give us a chance and i think also our cast speaks for ourselves right Mm. and every single cast member has delivered everybody was very open because we all you know decided hey if we're gonna do this let's all do it because we only have one chance because if this show failed we're not gonna have another chance and it's also gonna stop other asian cast shows um, to be greenlit. Mm. So you're saying that all of them are your friends. So who decides on what gets shown? And like, was it intentional for you to keep that that money part out from the the story? I think you know, once a show is sold, you know how it is. You kind of have to let go of control. <laughs> Mm. You know, because mm. same thing with, you know, a scripted stuff. Uh, there's so many people in the room. And so it takes an army mm. to make a project to come to life. It's still an aspect of you. So whatever you put out, that's what they can edit, right? Right. D- d- can you ever say, like, no, I'm not comfortable with that part? And I like, really... Oh, yeah, absolutely. Because, you know, end of the day, it is, they're following your life. Yeah. If that's not really you, then you don't have to do it. Mm. I do really appreciate that uh, the, there were moments like you mentioned earlier about the infertility that Christine mm-hmm. was going through and you know Kim trying to find her, her, her parents and also Kevin was looking for his uh, birth parents yeah, as well absolutely. so and with you and your storyline and your relationship which is like the bulk of the, the story mm-hmm. every time I see you, it's like it's always about like you and Andrew and I was like like are you like even tired of people just asking you about it all the time Oh, oh, of course. You know, and especially the thing is that people have to remember season one was filmed in at the end of 2018 right. and 2019. So we're in 2022. So, you know, I'm still, t- people still asking questions. I'm like, well, that happened, you know, and especially on social media, people are still trying to give me advice. And I was like, okay, that happened. That was like over three years ago. Like, like I, I got it, you know, kind of thing. Yeah. So that kind of gets a little bit tiring, but you know, I'm happy people are so invested. 
Yeah, it is. And also because it's, it's not just about um, your this relationship, but then there are signs from there that is very familiar to some people mm. with, because they go through the same cycle, right? right? Of right. like, you know, you, you know this person's not right for you, but then, you know, you just hang on to it and then you break up and then you get back and then, you, you know, all that. And, you know, you've obviously been through that and also you've been very open about your divorce mm -hmm. uh, before. So having gone through like relationships like that, like have you, have your ideals for relationship changed? I think every relationship you learn something new and yeah. you find yourself, mm. right? You know, when you're younger, I think dates and experience because at the end of the day, that really shapes you. Every single relationship I went through, even the one I went through with Andrew, I'm so grateful because I wouldn't be who I am today without mm. them right and um you know i think with the thing with andrew it really kick-started my uh mental health journey and mm. self-discovery journey and i think that is so important um, and that's also why i'm so passionately talking about it nowadays because growing up again in the asian culture we never learned to how to express our emotions and mm. we never learned the importance of uh, mindfulness and mental health because i think there's such a big stigma on mental health when you say the word mental health people's like oh my god something's wrong with you like this is so bad you know <laughs> but mental health is just as, as important as your physical health it's just basically your, your mindfulness and getting to know yourself and check in with yourself and you know i didn't really start this journey until my 30s because of my relationship with andrew and because blame empire also pushed me going to therapy that was my my first ever therapy session was the film for international television, you know? Oh. And, um, but that really kick-started, you know, my journey. And then I realized, hey, I've, I've been, you know, living with myself for 30-something years. I really didn't know myself, you know? So I really, afterwards, I really spent time to get to know me because that's really the foundation, mm. you know, of everything else in your life. I mean, tell me about therapy because mm -hmm. it's also a bit taboo, mm -hmm. especially here. Like when you talk about going to therapy, there must be something wrong with you. Yeah. Right? But then there's also this other talk that sometimes therapy is not for when something is wrong. It could be preventive yeah, absolutely. too. Like, so what, what what is therapy like in, in, in you know, in that that uh, you you did and tried yeah I think everybody should go to therapy because mm -hmm. um, therapy again it doesn't have to be something's wrong with you it's just basically talking it out and with a professional because a professional can really know like everything is connected to, to your childhood it is so weird oh. you know of how you grew up and again if people don't want to go to therapy I, I will really suggest them to uh, learn about psychology mm. um, there's information on YouTube podcasts uh, read books, you know, you can also self-study as well if you don't want to work with a professional. Um, and then I think also finding the right therapist is also very important because it's like, you know, maybe go through a few and then find the right person for you. There's, it's, it's not like one person works, if, works for all kind of thing. What should we be looking out for when you talk about like finding the right therapist? I think for me at least, I'm very logical. I like, I'm very like, I like things very structured and organized. So when I go to a therapist and I feel like I'm actually learning and I'm not just talking about like, just talking in circles and they're just listening to me. But when they're actually like, you know, go read this, go read that. And, um, you know, for me, want to give you a really good example for me, like I used to have anxious attachment style and that was, so I don't know if you know, if you're familiar with attachment style. T so tell us a bit more there's four different attachment styles one is secure secure is what everybody wants to be because that's the way how you securely attach yourself to other people especially in relationships and feelings but it could be friendship all that stuff the other one is anxious attachment style meaning that you are always like anxious you don't really enjoy the process of dating because you feel like that person's gonna get away from you and you have to over 
almost overgive in mm. a sense. So A, I had an anxious attachment style because my mom growing up, tiger mom, you, you feel like you're never good enough, you know? Mm. Like you're always, always working and they they're like, nothing's ever good enough. Like my friend's kid is always doing mm. better, mm. you know, all this. And then um, also my dad leaving at a very young age, when I was a young age. So I had, a, um, I always trying to chase. And then an anxious attachment style tend to attract themselves to avoidant attachment style. Avoidance, the people who are very close out the feelings, they're really close, they're like, you know, they kind of like, they don't really open up and they don't feel comfortable and they feel very scared mm. to, um, to let their feelings out or, or really attach to somebody. So they're avoidant. So the funny thing was avoidant and, and anxious is that they attract themselves to each other because they re-secure what they think love really is. So avoiding people, so I was like, oh my God, people are just too, too close to me, too like da da da. You know, like they're they're always like, they're they're too clean, and that's because I feel this is what love is, right? And we're uh, anxious. It's like, love me, love me, love me. You know, and then mm -hmm. they chase avoidant, but then in their head they think this is what love is because maybe when they're younger this is what they felt love was mm. because they're getting it from you know you chase your mom's affection, but your mom's always like this is not good enough, that's not good enough, right? right? And then the fourth one is just. A mixed up person that's avoidant and and anxious um but you know like getting to know something like this and having a term and you're like oh my god this is me now you're aware of your ha of your habits and your patterns and you can start changing it and same thing with you know love languages five love languages um mm -hmm. i don't know if you're familiar with that but there's everybody shows a different side of of uh, how they receive love, mm. right? So all these things you learn in therapy. Or again, if you don't want to go to therapy, I really suggest reading books, you know, listen to podcasts and and uh, watching YouTube because there's so much information out there. I, I, I saw the therapy sessions that you have with um, Andrew mm -hmm. as a couple. Yeah. And I was just like, oh, is that, is it so calm? Like usually when couples go in for therapy, because I always sometimes feel like, you know, couples fight, right? Mm -hmm. Like I fight with my husband as well. Right. And then because you're so in, 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 into it, like there's no third party to sort of see and, and help you out. Mm -hmm. And obviously you're, you're stuck in that, that mindset of what you have, obviously, right? And you can't see my point and I can't see your point. That's why we are arguing and we're right. having this problem. And then yet on the other hand, it's like, oh, we don't want to be like, telling someone else what's going on because there was this thing where Andrew said like he didn't like you telling mm -hmm. your friends about what's going on so there's also that aspect of it so like can can such problems be resolved in in therapy or like what is the best way for a couple to resolve like conflicts like that I think there I think therapy is great <laughs> I think mm -hmm. yes you can resolve problems in therapy um and also again Obviously, mine was filmed for a television show, but normally therapists obviously has a confidentiality with the patient. Mm. So whatever you say in the therapy session is completely private. The therapist can lose his or her license from it mm. if they tell your problem to other people, right? Were there things that she uh, s could, like didn't tell us or didn't say because she couldn't, like because of this this private thing? I mean, that session, because I, I think there was a few therapy sessions that was filmed, but um, the first one was over three hours. But another thing you got to remember with reality shows that we only have eight episodes, which right. is five and a half hours to fit so much in. Mm. Um, so a lot of things are really cut up. If if it's not, I mean, there's so much that was discussed that's that didn't make it, right? And, um, you know, like people have to remember, like, if it doesn't move the storyline forward, it's probably going to get cut, you know, because we, it's, it's just such so short. Wow, so you mean you actually went through like that session with Andrew, like it was a three-hour session. Yeah. But then we only saw like that. Like probably, what, 30 seconds, one yeah, minute? Yeah, I you know? know. It was so short. And I was like, how did you guys like 
get there. I mean, it's weird. Like, I, I, you would think like I'm in this industry and I probably understand how it works. But then I, I, I feel like I sometimes get tricked into it as well. Like, mm-hmm. I think, oh, wow. Like, how come, you know, they're so cool and they're so calm and you could talk about it. And there was all these, like, is it that quick? You know, and um, yeah, because I have been thinking also like how sometimes having therapy can be beneficial, but then sometimes convincing my very Asian husband right, right. to accept something like that could be challenging because he's is like, I don't have a problem. Like, why do I need to see someone? Of course, of course. Right. So you would say that it's because of this awareness of like taking care of yourself, mental health and talking to a therapist that really got you out from a toxic relationship? Um, I would say, yeah, because, you know, you can't control other people. That's the first thing. Mm. What you can only control is yourself. And in the situations like that, it's that what I can control is myself and is bettering myself. So when my mindset changes and I'm more educated and more aware, then I can make decisions better, right? Because at the end of the day, I I can never change somebody else. I can only change myself. Did you feel like a lot of that... Like there's this Asian thing about about us that you know we we want to please you know we mm. want to give and yeah. we want someone to to accept us and and we we tend to think more from the other person's yeah. perspective and because of that you know it you know we, we are shortchanged in that sense or like we are you know treated this way in a relationship. I absolutely think so, <laughs> and especially because um, you know again when I was you know and my ex wasn't Asian, so we grew up in a very oh, different yeah. mentality, and then the U.S. mentality is very individualized, where the Asian culture is very a communal you mm-hmm. know thing, and then there's another thing because of of this I developed my so there's different kind of codependency. Mine was with was a caretaking codependency mm-hmm. because I valued myself by what I can give to others what I should be valuing, what I can give myself or what I can do, right? You know, I accomplished this giant deal. I didn't, I never felt accomplished. However, if I was helping other, somebody else, I would feel, oh, I feel so accomplished, you know? Mm. And that's not a, um, you know, it's, everything's about balance. And right now, because I, I talk a lot about self, self-love, you know, self-love and self, um, self-care is not selfish. And that's one thing that we have to get across because we used to think, especially as a woman, that you think that, you know, taking time for yourself or self-care, self-love, it's very selfish, but it's not. Because if you can't be the best version of yourself, you can't give the best version of yourself to others. Mm. Yeah, I, I do think that as well, especially when we become mothers, mm. like yeah. you have so much more responsibility and you just feel like everyone else in the family needs you more yeah. than you know, you should be giving time for yourself. So that's also one thing I've learned. But, you know, you talk about this um, attachment styles mm-hmm. and how a lot of our childhoods affect who we are today. You know, we we grow up like a, a, a big part of our lives, right? That way. Like, how do you actually change that? Like, now that you're aware, yeah. how do you get out of that that? Yeah. Well, first step is always awareness. And then afterwards, you start knowing, oh, naturally, I would do this. But wait, 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 but that's that's falling back in the old habit. So every little decisions you make, you know, decisions make small decisions. And just repeatedly making these decisions change your habit. Right. Mm. So um, by me first aware, like like, let's say, you know, I, I, I do something like, okay, that's what my old self will do. But now, because I'm aware, I'm going to make a different decision. I'm going to react to the situation differently. And then when you keep making this decision, the right decision, 
then now it's going to be second nature to you and it becomes your habit right. you know it becomes you because it's rewiring rewiring your brain but you're really logical but you know there are there are people who are stuck in the relationship and their mm -hmm. heart is telling them something else i mean logically i know i shouldn't this and that mm -hmm. right but their heart is telling them something else like so do you have any advice for people who are in that sort of position where you know they are following their heart and it's so hard to break out from that you know unfortunately there's so many people like this and people yeah. you know i got just I, I can't even tell you how many dms I, i've received from um you know women that unfortunately that what they saw the little bit on television reminded them of their past relationship the current relationship and people that's been married and still married for 10 plus years and that's still going through that cycle my advice again in my probably not the only one the only right one but my advice is that just again you can only control yourself so I would just really gonna get to know myself and be the best version of myself because then you can make the right decision in, with a clear head um, and because with the relationship it always takes two to tangle yeah you know I, I understand it's always easy to point the fingers to the other person but sometimes you have to point the fingers to yourself and I know that when you're in situations like this you might feel like you don't have a choice but mm. you really do And um, unfortunately for toxic relationships, it takes about nine times average for you to get out, like nine breakups and nine, I'm not, I'm not doing this anymore to break out. Um, but every single time you do it, it is going to get better and better. Um, but my really advice is just to kind of really get to know yourself because again, that's the only person you can control. Do you then think that there is one person who's able to actually fulfill all your needs? absolutely you think so i think so yeah i you know I, relationship is hard because um because yes it takes two but that one person that can fulfill all your needs is yourself mm. you you have to be a whole right when people say i'm looking for my other half like no you should yeah. you're already a whole you oh. should be looking for another whole you know you, right. you can't depend on each other you can't be so codependent you know like like you have to be you you as yourself is a whole person mm. and you should track yourself to another whole person oh okay so let me let me let me think let me let me just digest this for a bit so people who tend to attract the wrong partners it's probably also because they are having some issues themselves they have a void in their life that's why they track that person that can fill that void but if you're already self as a whole mm. then now you're like okay this you're just adding on to each other's life right okay because this this got me thinking about like you know non-monogamous relationships and mm. like and, and i mean it's obviously not a very asian thing right to, to, to ever think about being in an open yeah. consensual relationship and it's like what like but but the reality is it it exists mm -hmm. and especially in the culture where you come from like in in, in america there's mm -hmm. a lot of that and so many different family structures and all Like what? What are your thoughts on that? I think people should do whatever makes them happy. Mm. Um, it just doesn't work for me. Mm. You know, I'm very much of like, I'm very traditional when it comes to it because I think for me one of the worst feelings is feeling the word, the, the feeling of betrayal. And I think when you bring other pe somebody else, a third person in a relationship or two people, I think that's the feeling is betrayal in a sense and you can't be completely like open and honest and bond with that one person but again that's just me mm. and i think you know there's other ways of doing things and um you know people might find uh, happiness in the long term with open relationships but it just it's not for me i think it's just really personal preference and i think you really have to know yourself um 
to like to see if that really works for you but for me no yeah because for me as well i think uh i'm also very traditional in that mm-hmm. sense and and because i've got two kids uh one is seven and one's five and they're growing up in a world that's so different from 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 before right and you know family structures are different and i don't want to like get on the high horse and go like oh it's wrong you shouldn't do this and that because there are there are also certain like studies and research that shows that actually non-monogamous relationships can be um good and healthier than monogamous relationships so you know i, I just i just don't know if you have like personal like friends and all that who who, ha- who actually have successful um, relationships mm-hmm. like that and and it's not necessarily saying that we are for it you know it's just giving perspective and that's what really like I this whole podcast is about it's also about exploring different perspectives it doesn't have to represent what we believe in but right. it's to allow people to just sort of know that oh there's such a thing and that not to be too close-minded as long as we can be very mm-hmm. like we can be very binded by our own beliefs that comes from our past and all that so yeah, I just wonder if you have any. Yeah, I actually encounters. don't have any close friends who've been very su- who's successful, or even you know I've heard from like friends, friends like oh this couple is in you know in an open relationship, um, but again I don't know how happy they are because everything's in closed doors, right? So I, I so I can't really speak like from a, a, a point of view that I, I know somebody who's been very successful and I'm very happy about it. Mm, okay, maybe that could be one of the couples in the seasons if. If you do have... Maybe. <laughs> Let's see. Hey, why not? Let's, we can explore if somebody's into that, right? Right. I mean, because it, it, I think there are lessons to be learned from Bling Empire that mm-hmm. we um, may not realize, mm-hmm. just given the, the title of it. And I have to say that as well because uh, I had that prejudice. Mm-hmm. So it changed after I watched it. Um, I think I want to move on to this part about you and growing up because you... You, you you mentioned in an interview before, like when you first went to US, you stayed in a house with rats on the wall. Apartment. apartment. Oh, <laughs> in, a, in an apartment with like rats on the wall. And now obviously you, you've come so far and now you're like, you know, in the show at least, we see parties that cost mm-hmm. like as much as apartments. Mm-hmm. Like what is that? Like, have you ever felt out of place? Uh, as far as you mean with the parties, like or with my friend, my group friends, my group of friends. Yeah, because you, you know you, you yeah. came from a world where that rats on the walls, and now it's like wow, you know it's all yeah. so. I, I don't think I don't think I ever felt out of place because money never defines you, mm. right? And you know I, I think money gives you options, but it never buys you happiness. You know when when people want things, I think people have to realize when they see people that has you know everything they have access to everything or they have a lot of money, they're very successful, it does not mean they're happy, right? Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I think with uh, my group of friends, I, I know the value I bring and um, to the friend group, so I never really felt like out of place or anything like that. And I, again, value, money doesn't define you. How do you feel about this whole, like, ranking of wealth, you know, between all the cast members? Uh, we never rank it on, on our show, but obviously, you know... Uh, the media does The media it. does, and the funny things a lot of time are not even correct. You know, like, <laughs> apparently Kevin's worth, like, $29 million on the internet, and, you know... <laughs> So it's 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 definitely not correct. So tell us a little bit about what you do outside of like this reality TV series, and you know, otherwise we we're just all gonna think like, oh, all you do is just like break up and get together. And break I up wish again. that's my life. <laughs> like, like, because I don't have to work. That'd be awesome. Like, we don't see you. Like, I don't see you working on yeah. on the show at all. It's always like you're just meeting Andrew and this and that. And after a while, I was just like, 
like can we just see what she does like yeah. the lady boss part like yeah. you know and i think you know that's why we're hoping for you know more and more seasons because then you can really kind of see the other part of my life um but you know for me as a as a i'm an entrepreneur i um have a production company we do mostly scripted stuff t- uh, scripted movies and, and and tv shows um and then i've invested in a lot of like really cost-based projects projects that's very close to my heart uh right now one of the when i first moved to the u.s i moved to the area called bridgeport in chicago south of south side of chicago and there's this a uh, um theater that's a very, like a landmark theater that's been closed for many many years so re- right now one of my new projects that we're revamping it right now and turning it into a community center live venue so the kids in that area and people that in that area can have a, a place to go to um as well as uh you know and i've you know i've invested some stuff in asia as well so anything that's backed for i think women um and technology right now there's a, a fund i invest in called Taja ventures as well as she loves tech is a, a, the biggest tech woman conference um, in asia and i think that's very important to support other asian founded uh, female asian female founder companies mm-hmm. um yeah and then there's tons other stuff some real estate projects and um i'm launching a new hot sauce line with my mom a, a what a hot sauce line oh. I, I love spicy food and uh and uh my mom we're from Kuoming, china mm-hmm. and um she always make me this dish called xian, the single pot of noodle and uh, oh, i love that so i can never find it anywhere every place i go to that that serves that dish i always order it and can never, never get exactly how she makes it. Oh. And um, I asked her what it was, and she was like, oh, it's my secret sauce. I'm like, what secret sauce? I don't really cook. So now, you know, we're kind of, uh, I'm trying to learn to cook more, um, you know, because, because she's not getting any younger, and I want to make sure that I'm able to pass on this to the future generation. And um, so, you know, so we're building a hot sauce line. I think it's something fun for me and my mom to do together, just because we never really had a project that we do together, you know, oh. so yeah. Okay, that sounds fun because I, I, I like Guo Chao Mi Xian. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, it's so hard to find it here, like a mm. really good one. I, I think the one that I had was uh, in Lijiang. Oh, when I, when, Lijiang, I, so beautiful. when I went with my family. And I don't know if it's just the weather sometimes, you know, when you travel, like everything just seems nicer, yeah. right? And, and so I remember the, the Guo Chao Mi Xian was so good. And yeah, it brought back a lot of memories. Do they have any Kuoming places here? Do they? I don't think so. Ah, okay. I, I, I think um, not that authentic. Okay. Well, okay. business opportunity. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you've done so many different things because I think you started in um, like insurance, was it? And then Oh, when FMB. I was 18 years old. Yes. And then you, you've done so many different things. Like, was it out of interest or necessity or like passion? What, what, what was it? I, you know, I've been very uh, fortunate that everything I kind of dab into has been good enough you know to at least be successful and every single one of them has led me to the next thing right so i think with insurance the, the great thing about you know insurance that when i was 18 years old that was like one of the only jobs you can find like when um you have you don't have a college degree right and you can make a lot of money and also learn right and i think finance is very very important especially for young women, I think, to how to manage money is very important. And um, the thing with uh, that I learned insurance is, A, the corporate structure, how to basically work the corporate structure and how, how the corporate, I guess, I guess culture works. Um, because that really helped me structure my other business in the future. And also the hustle mentality, you know, um, being able to pick up, because you're, you're cold calling a lot of people. Mm. And you're, because insurance is very based on commissions, not based on a salary. So it really pushed me out of my comfort zone. 
Which which job was it, if, or which industry was it that really was like the the breaking point for you, like in terms of um, you know wealth accumulation? I think is uh, when some of our companies that invested in has sold. Um, I w- after I, I was in food and beverage for a long time because it was out of passion. I, I loved working in the food and beverage industry, um, but you know you're working 18 hours a day, seven mm. days a week, and you really don't make that much money. And there's so much liability, I guess, with it. Um, but when I sold my restaurant, I was able to, uh, at the time, with a, we started an incubator in Los Angeles that invested in different different, um, different companies, tech, tech companies, and those did really well. And I still have some of my, and I still have, you know, I think over almost 15 companies that still hasn't exited yet that we're hoping to in the future. Like when you say we, like who's this we? So I have partners with every uh, every project we do. I have partners. And I have right. really, really great partners. Partners I trust. And um, so you can never do it yourself. Just You always have to have a really great team. What qualities do you need then to succeed in this way? Like to hustle and to, you know, have partners and all that. Like what, what, what do we need to get there? I don't think that's an easy equation for that. You know, mm. I think one of the very important thing is um, surround yourself with great people and learn how to read people as well. I think that's very important. And don't get me wrong, like I still nowadays I still read people wrong sometimes, <laughs> but I think I got better. You know, was there like a time that you got burned because you? I've got I I got burned all the time, and I'm still getting burned. You know, but every single every single opportunity, you I mean every single uh, failure, you learn something new and turn it you know, turn into success. But. It just seems like, you know, everything's going great for you. Like, you know, when you get burned, like, how do you deal with it when you're there? When you get burned, I mean, don't give up because that's only a setback. And I think learn from this experience and move forward with it, you know, because we're all human, we're going to make mistakes. And even I think I'm good at reading people, but, you know, it still doesn't, you know, so it still happens. Is there one like um, story you can share, like something a bit more specific? Oh my goodness, I don't even know. I think uh, I, I think for me, I mean, I've inv- I've made investments that's, that you know people lie to me about, mm. and, and that's one of the things I think is very important to have legal representation um, because your contract is not. It's not protecting you what's happening now. It's protecting you what's going to happen in the future, what might happen in the future, and um, I, I think that's one of the things that you know everybody should have. Well, you should have legal representation on the projects you do and make sure the contract is, is right because again it's not now can be great but for the future you, you, you just it's protecting your future mm. you know how we feel sometimes that uh, we we look at someone who's got got it all and we're so envious and we feel like oh we're never ever going to get there like how, how did you ever feel that way when you first started like because you, you came from china and then you you went to a completely foreign country mm-hmm. and you had to start from scratch. How did you um, find that drive to do it? Right. I, I think when you look at other people, you can find motivation in other people, but don't ever compare yourself to other people. Mm-hmm. Because at the end of the day, you might be comparing your year one to someone's year 10. Right, you don't see all the hard work they're putting in because it's kind of like that, that graph that's very popular I think on social media is that iceberg. And then there's that little tiny thing. So you, this is all the hard work you're putting in, but you only, but people only see this little tiny part at the beginning, right? And focus your own lane. There's no reason to compare yourself or compete with others. And I think that's one of the things. Growing up in the Asian culture was that compete, compete, compete. When there's room for everybody, you know. And don't come again. You're comparing yourself. 
but you have no idea how much hard work that people have put in other things. And it doesn't, also doesn't mean that they're happy. Like I used to think the highest level of success was, you know, a- achievements and, and is measured by how much money you make. But the highest level of success is really is happiness. It's the balance of that. But there are plenty of people who work hard and they just like never ever reach that level. You know, how, how, like, how should they sort of reconcile that? Um, you know, like there's really not, again, not a very clear like equation for that my goal was never focused on making money um it was always focused on passion what i want to do so i think once you find your passion you can really if you really focus on it and not give up you know you can make it how do you find time to do all these different things then do you sleep <laughs> oh no i love to sleep i think sleep is my fuel if i don't get eight hours of sleep i get super super grumpy how do you um, manage it like it sounds like you've got so much on your plate but I really have a great team around me, you know, I have my assistants, my partners, and it's, it, it takes an army to build any project, you know, finding good people around you is, is very the key. Are you like the sort that, you know, you, you have to be like very much involved in everything that you do, or you can, you're the kind that you can just let go and let other people do it? It's a balance because I don't like to micromanage because I think if you're micromanaging every department, every person on your team, then you don't have the right people. Um, but at the same time, you are the CEO of your own company. You're the CEO of your life, right? So if you don't oversee it, it, it and you don't have the right idea, and you don't give a really clear direction, then it's it's not going to work either. So I think it's, it's a middle ground. It's finding people who really get your vision and is in line with your morals, your value, and where you want to go, and that can really execute, um, you know, without you having to be on a day-to-day, you know, micromanage them. Mm. I, I, I think I can never be a lady boss. I think you are a lady boss, though. Really? You already are. I, maybe, maybe I'm doing the comparing thing. Mm. Like, maybe I'm comparing myself to what I think a lady boss should be or look like or um, what the business should look like. So, yeah, I always feel like I, I don't know how to manage people. I don't know how to, like, hire people. I think you have a great team around you and you are where you are in your career because you are a lady boss. So you're already that. I've always felt like actors are very passive. Do you agree with that or do you see that? Not today, I think. Everybody's very, you know, I think actors and actresses nowadays, they're they're very three-dimensional. They, they're businesswomen as well. You know, you're speakers, you have a podcast, mm. you know, you're a mom. Mm. That's also a job by itself, by the way. So people think it mom is. is not a job, but being a mom is a full-time and a half job. It is. Uh, yeah. I mean, I've always felt, maybe here, I don't know what the uh, the situation is like in, in LA and Hollywood, but here we very much, when I say I'm, we're passive, it's because we kind of like wait for roles to come by, right? Mm. We wait for someone to cast us and and so you can't like do much about it, I guess, or at least that's the culture here. So yeah, that's why I feel it's passive. But also, I'm you know like a lot of actors are not producing right because they want to create their own opportunities for them. Yeah. And I think in Hollywood, it's a little bit different. It is a little bit, at least be, it still is actually very very competitive and aggressive because there's only few roles for Asians. Yeah. Nowadays, obviously, there's more and more roles opening up, and we will love to keep seeing that grow. And I think we're at a very only at the very very beginning, but have more diverse roles behind the camera and in front of the cameras. But back then, so you, when I say back then, it doesn't mean that long ago. Literally, like five years ago, mm. it's so competitive for for Asian actors because 
there's only a couple, few roles. And Asian males always cast as I mean, a kung fu master, a nerd. <laughs> Asian females in Hollywood was ca- was very sexualized, I think, right? Mm-hmm. If you look at Rush Hour. And, uh, but nowadays you have roles that are, um, there's, a, there's, a, there's a show on uh, Netflix called To All the Boys I've Loved. You know, the main character, she's a normal teenage girl that lives in a normal world. And um, she's Asian. So mm-hmm. we need to have more roles like that. Do you think like it's ever possible for someone like like me to be able to go to Hollywood? Absolutely. Like what what of w- what should I like what tips do you have for me? I think um well first of all you're already going to be way ahead than a than a newcomer in Hollywood. So um so you have that already, you know, and um finding good agents, finding good managers, finding a team that are passionate for you and that are really passionate building with you. Mm. Because I think, you know, a lot of time, that's that's the hardest part, is finding the team that's as passionate as as you are to your own brand. Mm. And how do you attract that? I think being yourself. And sometimes you just have to meet a lot of people because it's kind of like a dating game. (laughs) Same thing with, you know, finding a therapist. I say that going back to therapist, finding agent, finding manager, it's, it's a dating game. You gotta, right. you know, you know, take your time. Don't you don't have to sign with the first person that offers you a contract, right. you know, and know how much value you bring as well. And that's another thing I think a lot of actors uh, doesn't realize in Hollywood that they bring so much value, and they're like, oh, I'm just gonna because I I, I would just settle for whoever, you know. If, if your team's not working hard enough for you, speak up. Speaking up is really tough, you know, because I've been burned many times here, especially in this culture where. I guess you're not encouraged to speak up, right? right. If you speak up, you're difficult. Mm-hmm. You're you're um, a diva. Uh, you're yeah. You're just being a bitch, right? You know, like does this happen in the Western culture or no? Of course, it happens. Um, I think there's always the right way to communicate things across. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying to go like <laughs> knock on your agent's door at 3 a.m. and scream, you know, on top of your lawns. <laughs> But there's ways to obviously communicate your needs uh, clearly and in a calm manner over. But, you know, it, it's kind of like, this is what I need. Communicate that. Because if you don't communicate that, you don't give them the chance to improve, mm. right? Communicate it and leave it. And if they don't step up, again, you can do this, you know, maybe not, maybe twice or three times. But if they don't step up, maybe it's not a match. Wow. This is like a lot to take in, you know? Because, <laughs> like, you, you know, I, I'm I'm looking at you and and I think you're so feminine and like masculine at the same time and and some would say the same of me but then but then sometimes I feel like I'm in the wrong place because when I'm when I'm like that and here it's not the norm but then like when I look at you I th- I feel like it's so not unusual like it's it's cool but that's also why we need people like you you know in and normalize it in asia like females we don't have to like we can be a boss lady we can be very nurtured to our to our to our kids we can be a loving wife like we can be all that yeah yeah it doesn't have to be defined oh if you're if you work really hard if you really care about your career then that means that you're uh you have to be an ice queen Mm -hmm. you know you can you can be you can be both you can be feminine and masculine at the same time and you're now a minority in a, a country that's, you know, you're not mm-hmm. the majority. Like, what is that like? And also, you know, the whole Asian hate thing that's going on 
is it still going on? Like, how do you oh, cope with that? Yeah, Asian hate crime is still going on, you know. And then the the, the weird thing is that when the pandemic first started and the media start pre- start picking up and they're like, oh my God, this is a new thing, Asian hate crime just starting. I'm like, no, it's been going on for a very, very long time in the U.S. Just people didn't talk about it. Media nowadays don't really care about it enough to keep picking it up, right? Because there's only smaller outlets, like the Asian outlets, that are still talking about it. Because America, if you can kind of tell, the tension span is about two weeks long. And then they move on to something else. Mm. Um, so Asian crime is still very, very much going on, and we still have a very long way to go. Um, yeah, it's very, very ups- it's, it's very sad. And also, I feel so nice to be in Singapore. Honestly, when I'm in LA or in the U.S., I, I don't, I can't wear any jewelry. I'm very covered up, and you're almost li- you're living in fear. And imagine mm. like like old aunties or uncles or grandmas like walking to the grocery store for them or going to the bank, something that's normal activity that people shouldn't fear. You know, it's scary. It's scary for them to even go to the grocery store. I call my mom and I'm scared. I'm like, don't go out, don't go out, don't go out. But that's not really a way to live either, you know? Exactly. So how do you protect yourself? Oh, If you can. I mean, it's going to be a long journey, but Asians have to speak up. That's the first thing is awareness and speaking up and reporting those these crimes. Because a lot of time, like we said, oh, the reporter crimes is so high. But like how many unreported crimes are, are there? There's so many. Vote. We have to start voting. Because the problem with with you know our culture is that we tend to be very clo- closed doors. Like we're like, oh, you know, we just stay in our little community and we don't really vote for what's going on in our city, our, our district, mm. or our country, but we're putting the wrong people in office. And educate yourself, because I think like, you know, and I'm very, very guilty of it as well. Uh, growing up, you know, I, I didn't really, I didn't get in politics. I'm, I'm just like, oh, this is just, you know, I, I take, I, I very much of like, just live in my own world, right? And if it doesn't affect me, I don't, I don't really want to. It's the it. Asian thing. It's the Asian thing. thing. Like, but we have to. We don't have create to. trouble. Exactly. Just be good and, you know, yeah. do, do your own thing. But we're, you know, we can't keep taking a backseat. We have to speak up. And, like, we belong there as well, right? Because, mm. like, why are we living there like we don't belong there? Mm. And why are we letting people treat us like that, you know? And it is very, very scary because people are literally dying every single day. And people mm. don't hear it in the news. Oh, I mean, yeah, I guess that's something that we would not be able to relate to as much because right. we are the majority here. Yeah. And we don't have crimes like that happening. And we don't have guns and we don't have people walking into schools and shooting kids. Yeah. And also another problem right now is that because there's no consequences to a lot of the crimes, right? right. So with California right now, with crime rates so high, like if you break in someone's car you rob someone you um you know like uh, hate crimes there's not a lot of consequences Mm. so people get arrested or if they get arrested they get arrested and then they get let out the next day what yeah there's literally no consequences and how how can you give them consequences well by voting the right people in office. Right, you know? I see. I mean, it doesn't sound like a very desirable place to live in. It's, we're going backwards. We're, we're totally going backwards. And I never got into politics. I never talked about politics on, uh, in the, especially openly. But now it's, it's getting so ridiculous and we're just completely moving backwards. And, you know, like people like me, Kang, like we get, we get affected too by Asian hate crimes, you know. 
Like how? So people will, will scream slur, like, like, you know, racist things at us. Or King, you know, King talked about us openly. Uh, he was walking in West Hollywood, by the way. Still a very nice neighborhood. Somebody threw water at him, <gasps> you know. Like, because, why? Because we're Asian. Oh, no. Yeah. So it doesn't just happen to, it happens to all of us, you know. And, but nobody hears about it. Mm-hmm. Okay, now we are hearing about it, and I, I think it's incredibly brave of you guys to like, and especially for Kane, right, to mm-hmm. decide to. Or he could he could stay here. I, I know. I'm like, why? Why? why do I, I'm like, I want to move here. Why he could stay here? Like, why? Why does he want to like go risk his life there? But it is a bigger market, and it has got a lot more opportunities than we probably don't get here, and and I'm sure you you learn a lot more there as well than we do here, because everything's kind of a bit more protected here. Yeah. Like we would never have to think about, you know, speaking safety, up and yeah. safety and this and that. Like, you know, we, you know, people are lobbying for like no guns and this and that. Like we would never, you know, have to do that here. Yeah. Right. So that's why I think there's always that, that, that good and bad to every place. Yeah. And of course it's, you know, it's the easy way for me to think is like, let's, let me pack up and move. Right? right. But at the same time, you know, if we don't have people that keep speaking up, keep fighting for it, you know, who's going to, who's going to really speak up for those that needs to be spoken up, you know? And then the, the, the consequences is the, you, you know, is the, is the people who have no choice. They, they have, they're, they're, they're already there, right? Especially a lot of, you know, like old, the older generation. Mm. It really sounds to me like you're not a quitter for anything. Well, there's only two choices, right? You either, <laughs> you either keep fighting or you quit. But I, I think quitting is not really in my nature, you know? Yeah, I see that. And I, and I think it's been really inspiring talking to you because... I mean, I've learned from you about the therapy and about the attachment styles and how sometimes knowing ourselves can help us in many, many ways in our lives as well, relationships, work, and just our personal mental well-being. Well, is there anything that I, well, didn't manage to draw it from you that you, you, you are, you know, really passionate about to talk about? I think I'm pretty good, you know. I, I think uh, I, I, I thank you for asking all the great questions. <laughs> yeah, because I mean, sometimes it's about finding like the right spark, right, mm. for you to share some things about you that, you know, you normally don't talk about, and that's that's the beautiful thing about having conversations that I that I really enjoy. Uh, like you know, when I sit together with my with my husband and my my other couple mm. friends, and then sometimes you realize like you talk about your relationship and that you otherwise wouldn't talk about right. because of that, 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 that chemistry. So I, I do wonder sometimes, you know, like if there's anything that you don't get asked, because a lot of it is always centered around like Bling Empire and mm-hmm. like your character in it and your relationship. And, and, I, and because for me as well, sometimes I wish reporters would ask me questions that, yeah. I, that, that just deviates from all these usual stuff. Yeah. And, and I just, that's why I wanted to be able Thank to you. allow you Thank to do you. that. Yeah, no, no, no. I think it's so great, everything you ask. And, you know, I think one of the things people also have to realize that I'm working progress. I don't have it all figured out at all. Yeah. But I'm, you know, I'm always willing to learn. I'm always still seeking knowledge, right? And by talking to you as well, you know, I'm learning something new. And that, that's what life is about. And, you know, um, I think also the, another thing that's very important was that, um, learning to set boundaries and learning to say no um because again in the asian culture i i never learned to say no because when i say no i i feel like i'm letting someone down mm. and i don't know how to set clear boundaries um and but you know no is a complete sentence no no is, is important saying yes oh, i'm so glad you said yes to this <laughs> <laughs> and thank you for asking me <laughs> well thank you for being so game to come on the show we're so happy to have you we've got like fans all around and um, it's been it's been great talking to you and you, you're like you're like how I imagine you'd be. 
Oh, thank you. you know, <laughs> off camera and like in person, you just how I imagine you'll be. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Thank it's you. Been really so fun. <laughs> thank you so much. We know that our listeners can find you on Bling Empire, which is on Netflix, right? Season one and two is out. Uh, where else can they find you? Uh, I think the easiest way is on social media. Instagram is at Callie Mealy, and I'm just learning how to do Twitter. It's very, very hard. <laughs> <laughs> okay, thank you so much. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Kelly. Be sure to follow and subscribe to the podcast on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. If you like what you hear, please leave us a five-star review and share with your friends so we can get discovered. You can also find a video version of this podcast with some bonus content over at my brand new YouTube channel, Too Happy Media. This is What Do I Know? Thank you so much for listening. Till the next episode. Bye. This was the Zoda Pop Podcast.